What's going on, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the One of Four Podcast. Uh, real quick, I have to give the introduction to Quinn Alums here because he's an incredible human being. A lot of depth to him, which is probably why he created his podcast, Stupid Deep, which you go check out. I'm a fan of it as well. And let me just tell you what happened in this episode because I, I'm excited for you all to listen to this. And one thing that I'm going to continuously talk about more and more is we have just a lot of sales reps who listen in. So if you're a sales rep who listens in, hit me up on LinkedIn, hit me on my Instagram, and give me your honest feedback. We're trying to make this a podcast for sales professionals and also business professionals, but more importantly, sales professionals to one up in their career. And not just, hey, we got the tactics and there's a great podcast for that, right? 30 Minutes to Presence Club. I love them and they're get, they're killing with the tactics. What we're doing is like, how do you elevate your mindset, your being, right, to be a true thoroughbred, incredible sales professional. And so Quentin is good at sales, but he's not in sales. He's actually the marketing manager at Lewis Howes. And if you don't know about Lewis Howes, the school of greatness, one of the top podcasts in the world. So obviously the person that we're listening to knows what they're talking about when it comes to the podcast world and marketing. So, and the thing is, is that like, I mean, the accomplishments, I mentioned at the beginning of this podcast, but this is crazy, right? He has TED Talk, spoken at Inbound, spoken at VidCon, named 25 under 25, in Wisconsin, right? His company was named one of the coolest companies in Wisconsin, right? One of the first LinkedIn video creators in the world. He's had multiple startups that have been successful, right? He's got one of the coolest hats in the game. Like, I don't know, I don't know what else to tell y'all. The thing is like, this human being that we have is incredible. And the three things, the main three things that we talk about are how to read something and how you should be reading every day and how you can be thoughtful about it which I thought was a, just a really good segment we talked about. And then video games, we're back. So remember in Corporate Bro Ross, we talked a lot about video games, but here uh, we're, we talk about video games as well. And we talk about how it was weird for us to come out and talk about video games because a lot of people make fun of us. And now we're very comfortable in it and now it's cool, right? But also we talked about how video games helped us be better leaders, be kind to people with decision-making, really insightful stuff there. And then also we talked about storytelling and how games tell a beautiful story and how we don't realize it because we're playing the video games, we're having fun, but we actually can learn from the storytelling from video games. So if that has any interest to you, I would listen to this all the way through and hang tight, get your notepad out and enjoy the show. Real quick, I wanna show some love to one of our sponsors, Lesson Lee, and my guy, Kyle Lacey over there. It's a powerful yet simple readiness and training software for high growth sales teams. And as we all know, it's a virtual environment, so it's really important to have the remote teams on the same page so they can deliver amazing experiences to the customers and prospects. And I love their motto, by the way, do better work, check them out. They're helping major brands like HelloFresh, Goodwill, Birchbox, and Thrive Market do success. And a lot of their clients are saying that their software gives them a lot more confidence in the way that they onboard their new reps and their existing reps. That's massive. So if you're in the market for it, check them out. Easy to use, easy to adopt. It's Lessonly.com. So it's L-E-S-S-O-N-L-Y.com. And you can also click the link in the show notes to get there as well. Uh, we've been connected for a while on LinkedIn. We laughed when we first connected because we just, we've never had a conversation. We have a ton of mutual friends, but we've just never, we've never talked before. And actually, you don't even know this, but it's funny because I used to wear a fedora all the time when I used to speak. And I remember it vividly because I was in Chicago and someone came up to me like, are you, are you Q? Are you Quentin? And I'm like, 
no, nah, that's not me. And they were so sad. I was like, I'm sorry, I'm not. I know. I was just like, I think it's literally because I had the hat on. They were like, oh, it's it's got to be him. I was like, it's, I promise you it's not me. It's not that Quinn. I'm not lying to you. And like, he was so sad. So uh, I don't know who that is. Shout out to you. Uh, I guess, you know, you can listen to this podcast now. I actually, I found, I found Quentin for you. <laughs> So here you go. But I just remember that was like the funniest story of all time. But anyways, I'm I'm super excited to have Quentin here on the podcast. Quentin, anything that I missed or anything you want to add before we dive into this? No, man. Making me sound cool. I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> hey, that's, that's what we're here for. So first thing I want to talk about uh, before we get into the meat of the conversation is we like to ask a couple questions outside of what we're going to discuss today. So we briefly had talked about this when we first talked, but esports. I know it's one of your main passions. So first and foremost, we want to hear what is your favorite game of all time? And then what is the most fascinating thing for you right now in esports that you've been learning as of late? Mm. Dude, those are actually two very tough questions. Uh, favorite game of all time, bro. That's hard. Um, damn. Honestly, I'd probably take it like back. Like I had like a, I don't even remember what it's called, like the handheld Sega um, Genesis. I don't remember what it was. Oh, called. that's a that's a throwback. I don't even remember the name of that one, but I know what you're talking about. Yeah, like no one played this. I mean, probably they did, they did, but I felt uncool when I had it. But Sonic the Hedgehog on that is what got me into video games. It got me into stories. It got me into like worlds. It's like damn, like people can can build this you know and like this is something that i'm doing all day every day i didn't even have like a memory card or anything so i always had to like just play from scratch play from yeah. scratch um i don't remember the name of the handheld and i just sonic the hedgehog that's that is a game that got me into everything if we go like let's just, let's just let's stay there because that's that's a dangerous question um, <laughs> what was what was the dangerous question? We can we can put it on the side for Dude, later. That's a dangerous question. <laughs> Favorite game of all time? That's hard, man. It is. It makes you really think. <laughs> uh, yeah, New Age though. Um, really random. I love the way that Detroit become human played. You know, like just <sighs> I probably like gone down every single path. I wouldn't say it's my favorite game, but just the way that that plays. Um, one of my favorite games of all time, but it's it's difficult to say favorite game of all time. Maybe Super Smash Bros. or something like that. Um, original Mario. I don't know, but I forgot the other question. <laughs> yeah, I, I I'll, I'm gonna I got you on the other question. Esports. And uh, so the thing is, I want everyone to actually like stop right here, pause this podcast, and go like download Detroit Become Human. I was I had no prep going into that game. Because I thought it was just like another game and I'm like, whatever. And then I realized like, oh, shoot, that thing I did like five hours ago is now impacting me. And I was like freaking out because like it's like instantaneous decisions. And it's like, nah, like you screwed up. Like, <laughs> like you're done. That game really hit me. I remember playing that game for like seven hours straight. And I was so immersed in the story. And people are like, where are you? Like, what's going on? I was like, yo, I'm <laughs> this game. I got to finish it. Like, I'm so into it. Very it relevant right now. Very, very relevant. Yeah. No, they did a great job with that. Super Smash Bros. is always going to be OG. Uh, the other question, though, was with esports, what fascinates you about it? And like, is there something that you've learned lately that's really been fascinating? That was the question. Yeah. Um, 
Esports, what fascinates me about that, like I was a collegiate track athlete, I played basketball in like high school and stuff, wasn't mm. very good. Uh, but track was my sport. So I've always been like just a competitor, something that fascinates me. I love knowing where the mind goes, you know, like and just seeing people push themselves to the, ne- to the next level, you know. Um, but with esports specifically, I just, I know it's a future, man. Like I just, there's only so many, and I like I'm I was a track athlete, but there's only so mm. many times you can watch someone run around a circle, you know. Like, <laughs> but imagine yeah. like running around a circle, jumping over rings, and then like you're shooting somebody with an arrow. Like, <laughs> that's just exciting, and I know yeah. that's where we're going, and it's still very much the beginning. But you already have these athletes making more money than professional athletes sometimes, you know. Um, but I would say one area that really, really fascinates me is just the wellness. Um, wellness when it comes to these athletes, because there's a lot of burnout, you know, and like some of them, like they're retiring in their 20s, you know, like early 20s, yeah. like 22, 23. Um, so just all of wellness within that industry, I think, has a long way to go. Um, so I'm just I'm fascinated by that. Also, um, not really esports, but just gaming overall. NFTs, skins. Um, I've probably spent way too much money on on skins, man. So I'm just <laughs> <laughs> that uh, that space fascinates me as well. But I just I know it's the future, man. I'm, honestly, it's the now, but I know that that is also the future. I'm just very very excited to see where it goes and what happens and whatever my role may be in that. Yeah, it's it, it's extremely fascinating space. There's so much to learn within that space. If you're not if you have not done any research on it, you should. I started a esports company in college around like video game hosting and things of that nature. So I learned a lot like early early on. So this was back in like 2015, like back when like everyone thought it was just going to be lame and I was like, "No, this is it. This is it." And now like you said, you see people ma- making millions upon millions of dollars for just sitting here. Even Fortnite is taking it to the next level cuz People are younger that can get in and skins. I don't even want to look at my skins bill. When I played League of Legends, I don't even want to know what that even looks like. I don't want to look at those finances. I don't want my finance advisor to be like, hey, Morgan, what, what, what were these skins you spent on five years ago? Like, just don't worry about it. Don't when ask I had, questions. Like, in-game marketplaces, though, I love that. Like, CSGO skins, those... Yeah, man, just those went hard. The rabbit hole. Just this is another rabbit hole because I'm gonna t- even make it even more throwback. If you like a, a true gamer, like the Final Fantasy Online, talk about in-game marketplace, like in the auctions, like yeah, like that's a whole nother. That's the, <laughs> like the the newer ones going right. I haven't played yeah. MM, like a MMORPG in a long time. <sighs> it's like, been a truly minute. Played one. It's been a minute. I think the most I dedicated to was was Final Fantasy. Me and my friend played and it was probably one of the hardest games because like if you if you died, like you would not only lose experience, you would lose items, you lose your money and you got to like go back to places that you leveled up. So it was like (laughs) it was so intense. I remember that game and now they don't make games like that anymore where it's like, oh, you die and you lose everything. Like RuneScape, you die and you lose everything. <laughs> it's I like, love that stuff. right? I yeah, that, uh, yeah. What is, it, uh, what is it? Dust? Is that it? Uh, I think, I think so. Yeah, no, I think that's it. Is it Dusk? I never played it. The, First person. I, I've heard of the game. I've heard of the game. I'm my brother. My brother plays it from time to time. I hopped in. I was like, "Damn, this is gonna be dope, man!" Like, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna do this. My, I was like, ready to flex my aim because I. 
I like train it. I'm like, okay, here we go. And then just yeah. boom, boom, boom. <laughs> Never played it again. So that's how I felt. And we'll move on to the next point. But that's how I felt about, um, oh, it was a samurai game. Like, I think it's called Neo or something like that. I don't oh, know what it was. I hear that's hard. I hear it was, yeah, I was like, oh, samurai game. This will be so much fun. And then like, it was so hard. Like the boss took me like five hours to beat and it was the first boss. I'm like, if this is how this game's going to be, like delete, <laughs> like I downloaded the wrong game, get my give me my money back. <laughs> like I was like, this game sucks. So again, every game is for, for somebody. But I think the most important part is like, if you're going to do gaming, if you want to get into professionally, Halo 2, I played some professional games. I was pro for a little bit and it was all about like continuous practice and getting better. I wish it was relevant when I played, that was like eight, nine years ago. But this this will continuously grow. And there's something that I saw that you posted a while ago and you talked about why should someone create every single day? So the people that listen to this podcast are mostly sales professionals that have followed me over to this podcast or newer people that are like business owners and they probably don't want to create. They're like, hey, Quentin, this takes me way too much time. What is like your advice to them, similar to what you said in your video that you made, but what should people be doing on how to create every single day when they think it's going to be too tasking for them? Yeah, just break it down to what you can create every single day. Um, and I I say create every single day. I think it's important. That doesn't necessarily mean post every single day. Mm -hmm. It doesn't necessarily mean share every single day. It's just creating something. Like if you take, there's like a, a more popular version of this, but this is the way I originally heard it. It's like if you take two 3D designers, like two designers, and you're like, hey, like you over here, designer A, I want you to create a masterpiece over a period of 30 days. Mm -hmm. Do whatever you want. Just make it the best you can make it. Then you take designer B and you're like, yo, just create something every single day for 30 days. That designer B that created something every single day, their last piece will probably be better than the thing that the person worked on for 30 days because they're running into more challenges, doing different things, you know, like testing, dabbling. They're curious. They're growing. They're learning because they're failing more. Um, so just doing something I say every day, but also like there's burnout and stuff, you know, just as much as you can, whatever your schedule is, but like strip it down. It doesn't have to be perfect. It could be like a, mm. an IG live, you know, it could be a just quick selfie style video. Like that's how I started be anything, just whatever you can, um, create that you can still then create tomorrow. Just do that and just add on when you have more time, you have more resources. Yeah, I, I like that way that you explained it. I feel like when someone hears like I have to create every single day or, you know, you you slip up on a Gary Vee video and it's like you need to create 64 con pieces of content every day that could create high anxiety for most people like there's there's no way I can do that. All right. And so what you're saying, I like that. Hey, create something, but it doesn't have to be for other people, it's for you, right? So you could continuously evolve and elevate yourself. And I love that piece. So let's get into the main question we always ask people is, okay, you're right now, you're with Lewis Howes, you're the marketing manager. There's other projects that you're obviously working on. You have your own podcast as well, Stupid Deep. And so let, let's talk about what are the three things that you're doing outside of all those things in your working career that are helping you be successful in what you're doing today? Yeah, um, just from any aspect. Any aspect. I'd say number one, something that I neglected for a long time, but started get back, started getting back into is just reading. Mm -hmm. It doesn't matter what, like I have like seven books right here um, and probably like seven more out there on the, on the table. Um, as a writer and just as a creator and as a storyteller, it's like 
all I'm doing is arranging words, you know, like mm -hmm. and the more words that I have in my head, the more that I have to work with, the more that I have to arrange. So just consuming everything from like fashion stuff to human behavior to just novels, you know, it's something that I neglected for a while, but it just is so calming and makes me so creative, even though at first it's like, damn, I don't feel like doing this. I've been trying to do it every single day. So mm -hmm. reading's been a big one. Um, and I, I genuinely think it makes me better. Um, again, it just, it might depend on what you read for some people, but for me, it doesn't just anything articles to novels to self-development, which I'm not huge in, but, um, yeah, you said three things. Yeah. Three things. Um, let's say something else that people would probably say I'm weird for, but video games, man. Um, mm. it sounds weird to a lot of people that maybe don't play. But I remember like early on when I was an entrepreneur, I eventually sold all video games because I'm like, I need to focus. And it was a good decision because I was mm. able to grow because I really did need to focus and I didn't have that discipline yet. Uh, but before I sold it, you know, I was very quiet. I was very timid. I wasn't really a good leader. I hadn't built any of those skills yet or flexed those muscles yet. I remember playing Overwatch, you know, and I was like, I was still a noob. I didn't, like I was still on like PlayStation four. I hadn't moved to PC yet. And it was just a really, really like, um, I would go into like the, this training room, um, and then play practice rounds and then find teams of really low level players. And I would take those low level players and we would play against high level players, like way, way, way outranked us. But I would just focus on my communication. Like, yo, let's do this. Focus on my mm. leadership. Focus on making good decisions. And I don't play that game anymore. I'm really big into Valorant now, but same thing, you know, like leading people, being kind with people, being patient with people, um, just that communication, but also the decision making, you know, like there's just a lot of things that go into video games that people wouldn't realize, you know, and the amount of decisions that you have to make very, very quickly um, is, I don't know, it makes me better in a lot of areas. And on top of that too, if we're just in the in the realm of like career yep. and what I do, the storytelling in gaming in some areas needs a lot of work, but in a lot of areas, it's like what you just said, playing a game for six hours and being so immersed. What is that thing that makes you so immersed and how do you apply that to marketing? How do you apply that to a product? How do you apply that to a community? Like taking those stories and applying that elsewhere has, has helped me a lot. Not necessarily taking the stories, but taking some of those elements. Mm. No, I love that. Do you, so would you say on the three is like getting better at this? Because we have reading something, you have video games, and three, would you say that's more on the storytelling? Is that taking a step back, reflecting? What they just, would you say, is that the third piece there? Yeah, storytelling within gaming, like mm. the stories within that industry. Okay. Um, consuming those stories. Okay. So... What I want to talk about first is the the reading piece because I think the video games that can that's going to be the bulk of what we're going to dive into. But let's talk about the reading part. So, when you decide to read something, how do you go about this process? And the reason I'm going to ask this question is because, as we all know, people are like, "Hey, you should go read this book," and then you you kind of don't want to. <laughs> listen to them because you already have 50 books that people have already told you to go read. So how do you decipher on what to read next? Is it intuitive? Is it based on what you're looking to learn? Is it a category? How do you go about this? Yeah. So again, I'm weird. Um, we're all weird. I, um, if there's something that I'm looking to learn, like right now it's NFTs. Um, 
and just more in the crypto space because I just kind of stepped away for a while. So I just, mm. I read everything on that space because it's something I want to learn about. And I'll be like head, like head down for like months until I feel comfortable. Other than that, though, I think a lot of people try to force themselves into, get in, into getting into reading. They read things that they don't want to read because someone said, read this, or you've got to read this, or whatever. Like, find something that you want to read. If it's just video game, like, magazines, like, start mm. there. If it's just, like, a skill set that you're trying to learn, start there. If it's a novel, start there. The more you do it, I feel like um, you might start to enjoy reading. Like, it's one of the most incredible things. Like, you're literally daydreaming, like, looking at a piece of paper. Like, it's incredible. But find something that you enjoy. So, for me, it's what do I want to learn? What do I want to consume? Or who do I want to learn from? It depends what I'm looking for specifically. But most of the time, it's topic-based um, but if it doesn't captivate me, I stop reading it. You know, I don't force myself to read it. So it's gotta, it's gotta be good. It's gotta be captivating. If it's not, I just put it down. Can you, can you talk to us a little bit more about if it's not interesting to, to not read more? I think a lot of people, and you mentioned it even earlier in your statement that you mentioned that you're not a, sounds like you're not a big fan in like self-development, personal development books. And there could be a reason for that. We'll dive into it. I feel like sometimes people are like, Hey, go read this book. And you're like, it's not interesting to me at all. They continuously to force themselves to read it, but they but they don't have that interest. So then they end up like rejecting reading or not wanting to do it. So I guess the question is, is that how have you gotten to the point where you're like, you know what, this isn't captivating me. I'll move on. And was there a point where you would just read things because people told you to read them? Yeah, there was. I used to read everything and I had to finish it. I always had to finish something mm. like i remember reading this novel about a zombie like a zombie apocalypse in like a high school or something like i read <laughs> all the way it was a terrible book a terrible terrible book and i i just as my personality and as i've grown you know and as i've evolved i just don't like wasting time yeah and, and like i saw a quote or my girlfriend told me a quote and i was like damn it's like be careful where it's i'm gonna butcher it but be careful where you spend your time because you're trading a day of your life for it like mm. we are literally trading a day of our life for like don't read a fucking book. Like Yeah. Like simple as that. Like you are trading a day of your life for this book. And if it's not worth it, don't read it. If it is, read it. And everything else you're doing, you know? Yeah. And and for you, you mentioned self-development. Is there a reason why you don't read those books as much anymore? Have you gone past that? Because there's other things that interest you. Like what happened there? Yeah, I think early on, so like 2016 is when I started my at least officially my first company. Yeah. Um and I was reading a lot of that stuff and I also needed a lot of that stuff. But then mm. I got to the point where it's like, wow, like I'm so frustrated with myself because I'm so motivated, but I don't know where to go and I don't know what mm. to act on. And I don't even know where to go to like learn these things or what do I do? Um, and I had no idea what I was doing with my company either. And it's just like, there's so, there's only so far you can go with self-development and motivation. I think we should always work on ourselves. And I'm totally down to read something if it's like, damn, like this is going to impact me. I just yeah. think at this stage of my life, I'm more interested in building a strong and deep skill set versus motivating myself or or whatnot. But I still like like psychology books, you know, like sure. behavior, things like that. Um, I just I don't want to personally be motivated anymore, at least not right now. Yeah. And what stage did that happen for you where you felt like you didn't want to be motivated anymore? Was it just like, I have enough filled up and I need to get that deeper skill? Or does everyone feel it differently? Like curious to hear where like where you were like, you know what, I'm I'm good. Like what was that what was that point where that happened? 
Yeah, for me, it was, I was probably reading a lot from 2014 to 2016, I had a bunch of things happen in my life. Mm-hmm. Um, I ended up quitting my full-time job to start a company. I had no clients. I had no nothing. didn't know what I was doing. I was also mm-hmm. trying to build a virtual reality um, simulation at the same time with another team. Um, and I was just like, damn, I'm just so frustrated and I feel so stuck because I don't have the skill sets that I need to do any of these things. And I was still trying to do them. And that was around the time. It's like, what am I reading? What am I spending my time on? It's me. You're good enough, Q. You can do this. And not that that's all they are, but it's yeah. a lot of what I was reading. And I did need it. Otherwise, I would never would have quit my job. But it was only going to take me as far as quitting my job personally. I'm sure at some yeah. point in my life, I will need it again or feel that I need it again. But right now, I'm just I'm good. And... Would you, if you like, you're going back to it, right? You needed it at that time, but you also needed to have a vehicle to take you to where you need to go. Like it, it, the best way I explain it is, you could be really excited, like I need a car, right? I'm really excited about the car, but then you go to the dealership and you don't, you don't know a car to pick, right? Because you're like, I don't, I don't really know where to go from here, right? And I think the same thing with with motivation is that motivation can only get you so far, right? It can get you motivated to get to the spot. But then when you get to the spot, it's like, okay, so what do I do? So would you recommend for people to be learning what kind of skill they want alongside the motivation? Do you feel like that would have helped you drive further? Because there's probably people out here listening right now that may be in the same spot as you. So obviously your guidance here would be helpful. Yeah, dude, that's a good question, man. I am... I think motivation sometimes can be dangerous too, like the motivational mm. space, which a lot of people lump me into and I hate it, but a lot of people do <laughs> lump me into it and yeah. I understand why. Um, but it can be dangerous, you know, because I, I was 22 at the time and I had no income outside of my job and I had a bunch of things happen in my life that just kind of tore me apart and I just said, fuck it, I'm done, I quit. Put in my two weeks and I struggled, like struggled. You hear all this stuff, like you got it, like you'll get your first clients, just do it. You got to believe, you got to manifest, like all these things. And I, for the most part, believe in that too. But it's also a lot of bullshit there too, you know? Like I thought, I looked down on people that worked a job, you know, and they weren't all in on their business because Mm. that's what you see on Shark Tank. Got to be all in, like all that. Like there's just so much stuff like that. And I, I don't agree. I would say, like, if you don't know what you want to do, you don't need to quit your job because you feel less than. Like, figure out why yeah, you yeah. feel less than working a job. You know, go learn from someone. Like, I'm working with Team Greatness, and I, I had been an entrepreneur for so long for me in my life. Yeah. At least. That's all I knew. But I'm growing at a pace that I couldn't, like, alone because I'm meeting people that I couldn't alone, you know, and I'm doing things that I couldn't alone. There's nothing wrong with working for someone else to figure out what you want to do wrong with working for someone else period you know like do yeah. do whatever you want to do but you've got to take action in order to figure out what it is that you want to do what skill you want to go deeper in you can't just read about it you gotta go do it yeah um, yeah i'm not sure if that answers that but i just it also can be very very dangerous if you're not taking action i, I feel like it, it does because the the, the motivation can be bottled inside, but if you don't do anything to take action on it, it doesn't matter. Like someone could be really, for example, someone could sit here and be like, you know what? Rest in peace. I'm going to go watch Kobe Bryant highlights and I'm going to just watch him for months, but then you never go on the court <laughs> and you don't try anything that he's doing. It's like, yep, I know everything about Kobe. I know all the stats, but then you don't, you don't try anything. So 
you won't know if you can do it or not, right? You could be the worst basketball player of all time, right? <laughs> you, you can know everything about Kobe. You can know all the moves. You can know all the spins, just like how Kobe studied Michael Jordan, but he was able to do that. But if you can't do it, then what are you doing, right? So I think it's very applicable to that. And I think, you know, one thing you said that's really important is that it's okay to go work for someone and learn from them if you know you can learn a lot from them. But if you feel like you can't, right, then maybe there's conversations you need to have with yourself and other people to figure out where that switch needs to happen. But I think for everyone listening in, like a lot of happens like, hey, you have to go to your own thing. Well, sometimes you can go learn from other people and continuously elevate from there, which is key, right? So and Every, everything faster, is saying is man yeah and you absolutely have a company faster like we're all so worried about like 30 under 30 shit 40 under 40 like i forget the exact numbers but the older you are the more likely you are to be successful in starting a company too, so. i know i know getting an interruption in the middle of the episode and an ad pop up in the middle of the great point is the worst however i want to show some love to my organization mentioned that and then we'll shift to the gaming piece but you said this is calming when you read uh and you mentioned you read a lot of different things so my question is because some people may be wondering do you read in the morning the afternoon at night it doesn't matter what's your normal routine with that yeah so what i've been doing is i don't try to do too much i do read a lot throughout the day but it's more articles but mm -hmm. every single morning i'm trying to get up at 5 30 a.m and then i just sit on my balcony with my dog and i read for like an hour to two hours that's like my ideal life. And I was like beating myself up. I'm like, how do I create this? And I'm like, damn, I could probably just do this now. But yeah. it's so calming, bro. Like one of my favorite things. I'm just trying to build more consistency into my life. But it's all I do. And I probably read like three books, not three full books, but three different yep. books during that time. Um, yeah. Is that the max? You'll do three books max and that's it? Or it doesn't matter? Depends what I'm feeling. But yeah, typically yeah. it's like two to two to three. Okay. Cool. So we talked about a lot of things on the reading the books. 
let's go into like routines. We've talked about it earlier. Let's talk about the video games. And you said that people think it's weird, <laughs> right? That that are like, wait, this relaxes you. I'm actually the same way. I found that if I can get an hour, I actually have it blocked on my calendar, like hour, two hours, whatever to do video games allows me to really just get away from everything else and decompress and allows me to actually bring my full self to the other things that I do. But if you don't have that same feeling, it's obviously going to be weird to you, right? Just like I might think I'm not a huge fan of it. Knitting. Like if I knit, I would hurt myself. <laughs> so it's like, I'm not, I'm not going to knit that. That would stress me out. But some people it calms him. So talk to us about this. We, we already heard your favorite game, but first game that you ever played, what was it? And then the second piece on that question is once you tell us is when did you realize that this was a calming thing for you? Yeah, I think first game was Sonic the Hedgehog. It was, okay. I believe. Um, at least it's the first one I have memory of. of memory of. Um, when did I realize it was calming for me? Um, you know, it's crazy that gaming is cool now. It was not. <laughs> not cool oh you had to hide you had to hide like oh i i i don't play games and like you like you had to hide it yeah, not cool at all um, especially as an athlete it's like not no it's not something i do <laughs> i was never really embarrassed but it's just it's not the, something i was like public about um and then moving into entrepreneurship like it was like distracting and i heard all the time don't have systems like you got to focus on the business and honestly it wasn't until like maybe two years ago where I'm like, I like this. I'm going to do this. I don't care what anyone else says. Like they can party, they can hang out with their friends, they can do whatever they want. I'm gonna do whatever I want. So honestly, it wasn't until I was like 25 where I'm like, this is for me, I'm about this. I remember how much fun I had as a kid, you know? Similar to reading, it's just, it's calming. It also pisses me off though. Um, and I just, I love that mental aspect. Like I, I'm one of those people that only play like one game like I, I have one game and that's what i play unless it's like story based and i want to explore something like that i do a lot of that too but i play valorant it's like a tactical shooter very competitive and it pisses you off you know, people are so good and you get so tilted and it's like what do you do with your mind when you're tilted and how do you not get tilted like i love that stuff even when i'm mad i don't know what it is so it's calming, but it also like it tilts you, you know. So it's like, how do you how do you stay in that Zen mode? How do you stay in the Zen mode, dude? It's hard. It's hard. Like imagine, like I'll put this in like terms that most people could imagine, like basketball, right? Like you're on the court, and let's say like your team's down by twenty, you're the star player, and you're just missing shot after shot after shot after shot. Like they're pushing you down. You're not getting the fouls called. Like nothing's going your way. How do you not get tilted and just keep shooting and just keep going? You know, you don't yep. get pulled out. You're on the court. You keep going. You keep shooting. And then maybe you come back because like your confidence is still there and you hit a like you hit a streak, you know, like same thing for video games, same thing for anything. Just keep keep shooting your shot, but mentally not allowing that stress to send you over the top, not allowing those thoughts to send you over the top. I think that translates really well, obviously, to entrepreneurship, business, most people listening in sales, right? You There are going to be days where you're off. I've definitely been in games where I'm like, I literally cannot shoot anyone. <laughs> and I keep getting murked. And, and I hate this. Like, why did I even log in today? Like, why do I play this game? <laughs> exactly. You start asking yourself all these questions. And it's directly translated to life. 
that's literally how it is. Like, why am I in this? Why am I doing this? Right. But you have to find a way to get through it. And that I feel I you can you can let us know. But do you feel like because you're able to handle the tilt in the video game that you have more composure in your work and what you do? Hmm. I honestly don't know if they're directly correlated. I just feel like I'm a calm dude anyway. Yeah. So I wouldn't know, but I would imagine so, you know, because like speaking, like I've messed up on stage. I've had people say some nasty things. I remember one I did. Um, it was a virtual one when COVID first started. Yeah. And a woman didn't unmute herself or she unmuted herself. And she's like, I can't stand this dude. <laughs> I was like, you know, sometimes me either. <laughs> and I just kept going. Like, cause that's, that's stuff you hear in a video game all the time. Like, dude, oh. what are you doing? Like hit the shot. Like get out of here. Why do you play? Like they say some nat, like that's like PG. It's calm now something. though. Like it's calm now. I feel like it's calmer. I feel like like the trash talk is calmer oh, now. Before, yeah, yeah. 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 I remember like, like 20, when I was playing like 2011, 2015, like every single s racial slur and every single curse word you could think about and words that I didn't even know were curse words were said in that era. I feel like it's actually more calm now than it was it's back still then. That. Yes. Yeah. Back in the day, though, oh, <laughs> like, this, the Call of Duty lobbyist man, no, just no, ruthless, no, no. man, just uh, everything. Like people, like people would kill you, and they would come to your body to talk smack, and then walk away. And it's like, dang, like, like this is, like this is crazy. Who are these people? <laughs> yes, yes, man. Yeah. So yeah. I guess it, it helps. <laughs> it uh, really does. So one thing you talked about is that you obviously as we were having this conversation very calm person very reserved i'm assuming that i would pin you as an introvert for the most part or maybe you're not and people you would say the opposite but most people know like my persona that yeah. i put out it dude i'm actually really weird like i like you know kobe's like black mamba like for yeah. me, it's very similar when i put on my hat when i'm on stage like that is it's me yeah but it's a piece of me that I pull out and I lean on and it's the very extroverted side of me. Yeah. Long time I thought I was extroverted. Wasn't again, like probably till like this year where I'm like, damn, yeah. like I need to be alone to get my <laughs> So most people know me. Like if online they think I'm very talkative, very loud, very yeah. energetic. And I can be, but I'm very very chill, very quiet, very observant is mm -hmm. what I naturally am. So yeah, introverted. And so that that kind of leads into what you talked about where you were in lobbies or on certain teams or in a games and you were leading people. And so I actually heavily resonate with that. And that's not something that I think people would recognize is back like, you know, especially in Xbox days. Then you had the <laughs> you remember the flimsy. <laughs> microphone the xbox microphone <laughs> just i i remember that's like the og i broke like four of those because i was always so i get tilted i would just throw it right i was just throw the microphone i would i broke so many my parents were pissed but the thing is that like you really learn how to lead people and it's odd because you don't get it unless you played the games but i remember on my team halo 2 we had like co-captains i was one of them and so i had to like like you mentioned, I had to be like, all right, cool, go to point A or like point B. And you had to come in through the flag and like you had to communicate. Otherwise, you're going to lose. And so I learned how to lead and communicate with people from the video game. And that's odd to say if you don't know that multiplayer concept, but that's what happened. So I guess talk to us a little bit more about that. You were able you were leading people 
And you said even being kind to people, despite all the trash talk that happens in these games, were did you just say, hey, I'm just going to be the leader today to the group that you were in? Would you go in random lobbies and just start just talking and going out commands? Like, how did you get more comfortable with this? Yeah, I just did it. I think initially, I, I that's why I went into like, because I started with Overwatch into like yeah. the practice lobbies because they were very low um, skilled people. And I saw they were really bad. And I'm like, all right, this is what we're going to do. <laughs> Because yeah. we're losing and we kept winning, you know, and it was really cool. And it's, it's just like a company, like start a company. If you've ran a company and you've had employees full time, um, some people are more sensitive. Some people prefer to just be told, like, go do this. Um, they're very direct. Everyone's different. And everyone's going to react to something differently. Being able to pick that up like that, I would say is one of my greatest skills. In just understanding what makes people tick and understand what makes people how they work um that didn't make sense understanding how people work <laughs> yeah yeah uh, in a video game or online or in person you know like yeah just very very thankful for my time in video games because it showed me that that is a skill of mine mm-hmm. because people were responding and these people that just were hopping on this game were able to compete with people that have been playing for like years you know just because we communicated and they were confident and they weren't tilted, you know, versus me saying like, yo, what are you doing? Go there, get on the, get on the spike, you know, like whatever, like communicating in the way that they needed to be communicated to. Um, it's different if you like have a pre um, formed team and whatnot, like they yeah. all know each other. Um, they're all used to whatever you say or however you say it. But if it's people that don't know you, how do you make sure everyone's performing at their best? And you at the same time doing all this, Keeping in mind, like, yo, like, this is the plan. Like, this is where we're going. This is what they need and playing. Yeah. yeah. Very, very hard thing to do. So I always respect IGLs and game leaders for for their ability to multitask. <sighs> yeah, because it's not like you're a coach and you're not in the game. Like, you're in the game. And normally the person who's the game leader might actually be the best person on the team. So not only <laughs> do you have to lead people, you have to continue to kill people as well. You have to be the best. That is not it's not easy. So one thing you talked about is decision making, which is not easy as well. Could you elaborate a little more about more about that when it comes to the games? Like, how did you go about making these decisions? Did it translate to what you do today? Talk to us about that. Yeah, so I'm not like I'm not the best, um, but I'm just so competitive that I like grind mm-hmm. this stuff and I study this stuff. It's like it's just game sense, you know. It's like. It's like reps in entrepreneurship, reps in basketball. Like you just play mm-hmm. so much. Like imagine you're like a high school star, but you go to college and then all of a sudden it's like, wow, this is kind of a different sport. It's faster, they're stronger. Yeah. And the game feels so fast, but you keep playing and then it slows down and your mind calms down because um, the game sense is there, you know, like your basketball IQ, like whatever, whatever they call it. I don't even know. Yeah, that, uh, that's but, right. But the more you play, the more you know. Same with same with video games. The more you play, the more you know. Like, how should I position here? Where are they going to pop out? Where are the common yep. um, common like points that they come out of? You know, like um, the more you play, the more you know. But also, the more you make decisions, the more you see the consequences of those decisions, and the more you learn from your mistakes. So, just same as anything, you know. But video games, it's faster um, faster feedback than real life. Yeah. Absolutely. And, and, and it kind of leads into like the storytelling with gaming. Uh, the one thing that you talked about is Detroit Become Human. And I'm not going to say the favorite storytelling game because that might it might be a lot to be like, OK, which one is it? But it, what are some games that 
really stood out to you in terms of storytelling that helped you dive deeper into this topic of storytelling for yourself? Yeah, um, it's a tough one too. Um, in terms of good stories, like if you're like, if you want to play something new um, and maybe you haven't played anything, I would say definitely play the Spider-Man. Either one, actually, the Miles Morales one or just yeah. Spider-Man PS4. I guess PS5 if you have one. Um, those are good stories. Um, in terms of things that really showed me like the power of storytelling, I would say Jack and Daxter. Jack and Daxter 2. Because I was a kid mm-hmm. just watching. Just watching my older brother play video games. And I was so captivated. And so invested in these characters that I wasn't even playing. It's like, yeah. damn, why is that? This is like a movie. And this is like, this is before you really watch people play video games. You know, like there wasn't Twitch or anything like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so it wasn't normal. And I didn't know that it was normal to like watch an entire video game. and Not even an entire video game, an entire <laughs> series. Yeah. Um, so that was a big one for me. Um, power of storytelling. Um, so not the game itself, but just the way, the wave behind the game. Uh, and I'll probably get a lot of hate for this, but <laughs> Cyberpunk, um, <laughs> terrible, 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 terrible release, but everything leading up to it. Um, and honestly, like if you play the game, like it's decent, like it's very short, but whatever, like, but it's a very beautiful game. Like just the way they went about that and the hype behind it was very fascinating to me. Mm-hmm. Um, very, very fascinating. I, I personally did enjoy playing it. Um, games that impacted the way that I tell stories. Overwatch was also one just mm. because you had you had this uh this lore behind it as well, you know, like the stories of these characters that people would get invested into. Apex is similar, like a lot of these games are similar now, Valorant's similar. Um Yeah, I don't know. I'd have to I'd have to think about that. At least personally, stories that personally impacted me. Yeah, I think those are those are really solid games across the board in terms of their storytelling piece. Cyberpunk probably had one of the best rollouts in terms of like to the actual game. The, the release and the worst uh, was yeah exactly like suspect, but they really hyped it up. I was like, all right, this is gonna be the game of the century, like the way that they're rolling this out, right? Uh, Keanu Reeves involved, like it was just like, all right, this is gonna be insane, right? So they did a really good job on that one. I, I like, I actually. This is interesting. I don't know if you believe in this or not. I I was I found my like N64 like the other day. And then I was like, I feel like the N64 storytelling is the best out of all the those games were the best better than the ones even today. Like I, I think about Ocarina of Time, Majora's Mask, uh, Super Mario 64, right? Even if you played Diddy Kong Racing actually had some good storytelling in there as well. Donkey Kong 64 storytelling was pretty actually dark for a kid's game. I was like surprised that they went that way. Like I just, I think of the N64 and I felt like I was more captivated by the story because the graphics, if you look back at them, they're not like incredible, but the story was so good. I was like, I got I got to figure out how to do this in Super Mario 64. Why is this guy dancing in Majora's Mask and like making fun of me? Like what's going on, right? So like, I felt like I was more involved with the games. I don't know if you believe that or not, but like I was like thinking of it as I was looking at my 64 and I was like, I felt like I was more captivated by these games. I um, I think Simple's great. N64 is one of my favorite favorite systems because it's, it's one that really captivated me as well. 
I'd say simple for sure, but also it was just so new to yeah. a lot of us. You know, like, I don't know how you grew up, but I didn't grow up in like the best circumstances. Um, so video games were escape for me, you know? Mm. That's why I love them so much, because it's like, damn, here's this whole other world you can be a part of. And N64 was a big part of that, you know? So I agree. Mm. I'd agree. Um, I don't know if I'd say they're better, but they were so, so freaking good back then. Yeah. Um, but honestly, also people like experimented more, like these publishers experimented more. The developers experimented more. Now it's like, just how do we make money? How do mm. we make something that, how do we remix something that's already been done so that we can make a lot of money, you know? Like, yeah. Less, less likely to experiment and release something new, which is why I'm very excited for like VR gaming, AR gaming, um, and just everything there. Playing a lot of beats. Uh, <laughs> oh, well, yeah. <laughs> That's <laughs> nice. Nice. Yeah. So VR, VR is actually really interesting. Before I go into my other question that I have, I went to, so my girlfriend lives in Vancouver uh, and I also have friends out there as well. And we went to, I think it's like the biggest in North America or something like that. We went to this VR place and we all, it was like five of us and we all got hooked up to it. And you probably seen this movie, Ready Player One. I legit thought I was in that movie. Like, like we put on the stuff and like you went to go get your gun and you didn't have a gun when you started and then you had a gun in your hand. Obviously they put it in my hand, but I was like, this is getting, this is ridiculous. And then we were playing, like you could see people's motions. Like it was like intense. Like I felt like I was just not even there. And then when we came back, I was just like, what just happened? So like, yeah, VR is something that people are probably gonna sleep on for a while. It's, I mean, it's coming. It's coming. It's going to be really strong. And I'm really excited to see how that works, especially, you know, you mentioned NFTs. Like you think about how that's going to work with like how they're going to do currency within those games. Like it's a whole whole thing, but I'm actually really fascinated to see how that all pans out. Yeah, it's going to be wild, man. Yeah. That's what I've been waiting for since I was born. Yeah. <laughs> you and me both. <laughs> this is what I've been practicing for. Seriously. <laughs> All that aim trading, man, probably will mean nothing because it's going to be virtual reality aim, but damn. <laughs> exactly. You'll, you'll be through with the concept. So uh, one question we're going to ask, and I'll ask the last question we ask on every interview, uh, going back to the storytelling. So we talked a lot about games, and obviously that's the release for you. That's how you come to work and, and are, are more focused. But if somebody were to, let's talk about the storytelling piece of any game. And the answer might be obvious, but I want people to think about it. How can someone pay more attention to the story rather than the action in the games that they play? Yeah. Um, again, it's going to depend on the games that you're playing, but sure. How do you feel? You know, really just take a step back and like, look, don't skip through the the talking points, the conversation with the NBCs. Like, how do you feel? Like, there's a lot of things that you're not paying attention to that do tell a story. I would say action is one of those things, but also mm -hmm. like the setting, the the music that's used, like uh, what's the samurai one that came out recently? Oh, like oh, um, um, the exclusive, the, the PlayStation exclusive? Yeah. Uh, so oh, Ghost of Tsushima. Ghost of yes, Tsushima. Yes. yes. That was insane. Pay attention, like play that game, you know, like just like put it in like black and white mode you know like like just how it was meant to be consumed just pay attention to everything go through the full experience let yourself like go down that rabbit hole and be that character and 
see where it takes you. But I don't I don't know if I have an answer, a full answer for that, but take a step back. You know, don't just don't focus on killing. Yeah. I exactly. Oh, I just want to get the level 80,000 so I can kill everyone in the village. No, I actually so that's a good point that I used to do that a lot actually. I used to go like I'm like I want to get to the action. I don't care what this cutscene is. And one game, I don't remember what game it was, but I was like, I don't want to, I'm not going to skip any cutscenes. Oh, actually, I remember it was Star Wars, Knights of the Old Republic, one of my favorite games. Mm. I would always skip it and just like, I just want to fight with lightsabers. I don't care. I want to force choke people. I don't, I don't care about all this. And then I like actually like paid attention to the story. And I was like, this is one of the best stories. The first one that I've ever experienced. And so when I actually stopped skipping the scenes, is when I realized how beautiful the game was. So I, I think that's that. Uh, there's obviously more to the answers to the question, but I think that's part of it. Is that don't skip the NPCs, don't skip the dialogue, because that's where you're really going to learn a lot of stuff. I think it's a beautiful point. So last question we asked everybody before we get out of here: What's the best piece of advice that you've received recently? Um, you're being paid to speak your opinion, or you are here to speak your opinion. So speak. I think that's the best, recently best advice that I have gotten. It wasn't really advice, it was a statement, but I'm like, yeah. Mm -hmm. Not very vocal, and I always speak my mind anyway, but I, for some reason, wasn't. But wherever you are, you know, like, you have experience and you have an opinion. Speak it, share it. Was that, was that Lewis who said that? Uh, no. No, right. just, uh, just a friend. Yeah. I think that's extremely powerful advice. Appreciate you sharing that. And lastly, where can people find you if they have more questions or they think they can beat you in Valorant? <laughs> hey, man, I need gaming friends. <laughs> so if you play Valorant, I don't care how good or bad you are. We're going to be friends. Hit me up. That's literally all I play. Some Apex um, with team greatness, actually. <laughs> <laughs> that's um, hilarious. But uh, yeah, message me on, on any social media platform. It used to be tagged as Q. Now it is Quentin M alums on any social media platform hit me up send me your game attack <laughs> let's go awesome well quentin appreciate you hopping on the podcast sharing some information and, and there's a lot of good nuggets in here people can take and move forward especially on if they're a video game or they want to get in the game they want to read all that information is there and as always y'all one up and we'll see you all next time